Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, see, we move away from Elton John now. Get back to the Earth, Wind, and Fire. Can't beat that. All right, we continue on here. And uh, if you just missed Steve Sachs playing drums during our interview, check it out on the website a little bit later on, tcmartinshow.com. Our next guest, I think he has a little musical sense. I know he definitely has some rhythm, but has he played an instrument before? That is the question. Of course, we're talking about Trevor Maddich. Trev, give me your uh, your musical background. Do you ever play instrument? Oh yeah, I was I was uh, I was in the marching band playing trombone. Freshman and sophomore years in uh, in high school, then football took over, so I couldn't march at halftime. Before that, I, I was in the jazz band in middle school playing trombone. I actually had a solo on a record that we did, and now I play guitar well enough to um, sound good on the beach for about five minutes until you figure out what I'm doing. Then after that, it gets tedious. So I can't say that I'm a guitar player or that I'm a guitar player. John Jorgensen is a guitar player. You know, I, I play guitar for five minutes, and then I stop so I don't get busted. That's the way that that works. Okay, so this is, this is great. So I, I was talking about I got a chance to see Elton John last night uh, at Allegiant Stadium. It, it was fantastic. Uh, Steve Sachs just joined us, and uh, you know he is a – he is a, a drummer uh, himself. Actually, performed a little bit with the Beach Boys because uh, he got a chance to know the, the, the Beach Boys and their drummer very, very well. So I think we're just going to make this uh, a thing today with all of our guests that are coming on. We're going to ask them about their musical prowess, their with their instrumentation. Because I've always been jealous. You know, again, I mean, I think that was one of the reasons why I've always loved music. But that's why I went into the DJ world at a very young age, like when I was in you know high school, younger than that even. Because I couldn't play an instrument, I never had the discipline to play an instrument. So I'm really envious of you guys that play instruments. And yeah, I did. I did have you pegged, Trevor, for a brass guy. Uh, but now you're talking about the guitar. I don't know. I mean, if you got a guitar near you, uh, whether it's acoustic or anything, I, I, our listeners would love to hear you just you know strum something at some point in time uh, before the end of this interview. Uh, yeah, not before the end of the interview. It's down in the car right now. Uh, it's down in the truck. It, it is. I, sorry, it's it's not up here with me. Uh, but but again, they would not be impressed. But John Jorgensen, um, he uh, he, uh, I know John. He he actually plays on the road sometimes with Elton John. So you may have seen him. I'm not sure if he's out there with him right now. He may be out there doing something else with, with his own stuff. But the the thing about music and playing music is that you can say things with music that you just can't say any other way. And I will tell you this, TC, that, you know, I played four years of college football and 12 years in the NFL, and I loved it. But if I were actually good at, at writing, singing, and I can't sing at all, and, and playing the guitar so that I could write and play music that means something to somebody, like Dan Fogelberg, you know, just be a, a, a singer-songwriter that 20 years later, people still look back on your songs with great fondness as the soundtrack of their life. And I would I would trade that for twelve years in the NFL any day of the week. You know, and that's you know, that's just one thing that I love. I mean Dan Fogelberg for people who don't know that name, they would know a lot of his songs. Sure. And um, you know, same old anxiety leader of the band. There's just so many great ones. And and he would play just with himself and his guitar and piano all by himself. He'd go to some resort where he likes to ski and he'd he'd run shows at night while he's skiing during the day. 
And then he has a full-on rock and roll band. Now, he's passed away since, but I mean, to be able to do that kind of thing is is just a level of emotional expression that very few people understand. No, I do believe, Trevor, that John Jorgensen is still with Elton John, and I believe, you know, again, he introduced the band last night. I'm pretty sure that John Jorgensen was there last night and is on this tour. Yeah. Well, you, people, again, don't, you know, wouldn't know that name necessarily. Oh, man. But if Phenomenal. you ask the, the top five guitar players in the world, I don't mean the one biggest selling records or whatever. I mean the ones that are actually yes. guitar virtuosos. Who their top five are, every one of them will say John Jorgensen is in that group. He can play every genre better than people who focus on those genres. I went to see him one time in a small venue, and uh, and he was just sort of backing up a guy who was sort of a pretty good singer, had a couple of little hits, and thought he was an amazing guitar player. And uh, and John was just backing him up and letting the other guy shine. Then the other guy started to try to outdo John, and John just kind of looked at him. And then John just went and just went off for about 30 seconds, and that guy almost dropped his guitar on yeah. the ground. It was just fantastic. Wow. Outstanding stuff, man. All right. Trevor yeah, Madison. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. All right, man. Let's, uh, let's talk a little college football here. The college football playoff rankings uh, come out yesterday. Tennessee, number one, surprised some people. We understand they're undefeated. Are they that good? Well, I mean, I know you seem to think so. I think we're, we're going to find out a little bit more this weekend as they play uh, Georgia, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Tennessee, number one. Ohio State, number two. Georgia at three. Clemson, four. And then we look at Michigan, five. Alabama with one loss at six. TCU follows. They are undefeated at seven. Oregon with one loss. And USC with one loss. That rounds out your top eight. So give me your thoughts of the first unveiling of the college football playoff rankings? Well, my first thought was that this is the best thing that could have ever happened to Georgia because they've been number one in the AP poll most weeks this year, and all of a sudden the first college football playoff committee ranking their number three, they're, they're going to be fired up about that. They're not supposed to be. They're focused on the task at hand and the process and all that. But believe me, that'll, that'll make a difference in their locker room and their presentation, and I think, or preparation. And I think one of the reasons that they dropped to number three from the AP number one in this initial poll from the committee is that they kind of took some, some quarters off. They played a Kent State team that they should have beaten by 60 points, and it ended up being a pretty close game. And I don't think Georgia covered, not because Kent State is so good, but Georgia just moonwalked. And then they went to play Missouri in a tricky matchup, and Georgia trailed double digits to Missouri in the fourth quarter. And they had to come scratching back in order to pull out a win. And I think the, the committee looked at that and said, yeah, no, we're not going to put them at number one. Uh, Tennessee is there, I think, on the strength of their two big wins against LSU and Alabama. And right now, those are both top ten teams in the committee's first ranking. So they, they clearly have the best pair of wins of all the groups. So I can see why they did that. Uh, and then Ohio, I think Ohio State is number two now. I think Tennessee, Ohio State, and Georgia – you know, you can split them apart by their, their strength of record, strength of schedule, all the stuff that makes my head hurt, you know, worshiping at the altar of the almighty spreadsheet. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but I think the three of those, if you look at them from a power ranking standpoint, I would, I would order them um, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee as a power ranking. But I think they're so close that it's really splitting hairs. And no matter who you put at which of those top three positions, somebody's going to be furious at you. 
Is there an advantage to, I know they wait, you know, for, for until we're six, seven weeks into the campaign here before they unveil these rankings. Are you happy with the way they do this? Is this good for college football? Obviously, it's talking points. But, you know, you, you do realize that you could have some, you know, when you put these out, now the work is really on these teams. Okay, well, you know, now they've got to beat this team or they've got to leapfrog this team and all this other stuff. Would you prefer it to be later in the season or not at all or, and, and just unveil it at, at the end? I mean, what is your thoughts about this? No, I like the way they do it because doing it now in early November gives people a bit of runway. If they didn't do it until the end of November, it would just be a shock to the system, okay. and people would wonder what was going on and, and were they really being fair to every team or were they waiting to see how they could get their favorite team in there and, and things like that. And I think now is a good time because they've got a good body of work to have an understanding of where the injuries are and how they've affected teams. And so I think this is about right. But I'm a guy who likes preseason polls. Yes, they're largely irrelevant. Yes, they're completely a guess, but it gives us as fans an opportunity to argue about it. And then it gives us a chance to see where they were right and where they were wrong. For example, Miami was highly ranked uh, early in the season. And uh, excuse me, in the preseason, they came in as a highly ranked team to play Texas A&M, lost that game, and then fell completely off the map. So that preseason look at Miami was just absolutely wrong. But at the same time, it's fun to look at what we expect that comes true and what happens that we didn't expect. And so the early polls are fine with me as talking points. As far as the poll that counts, the committee, I think starting it now gives a good balance of waiting late enough to know what's going on, but early enough so you're not shocking anybody with the final poll. Mm-hmm. Trevor Mass joins us at ESPN College Football. You can catch Trevor Thursday, Friday on SportsCenter, of course. He's doing the Mac games as well, too, midweek. We got a, we got a Mac Madness uh, for you tonight. Is there a Trevor Match sighting? Oh. Oh, there is. We got uh, we got Matt games going on uh, going on tonight. I was on doing halftime last night, yep. and uh, we've got a couple more tonight. So watch on on the ESPN family of networks. Depends on where you're looking. ESPNU it'll be halftime of Central Michigan, Northern Illinois. ESPN two halftime of Western Michigan and Bowling Green. So I'll be doing this. I'll be doing wraps. So basically halftimes and any pregame shows that go on on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, this week and for the next two or three after that. So that's really a lot of fun. And, and, he, ma- and he makes time for us uh, in his busy schedule here uh, on game day. Uh, we appreciate that. Speaking of, you said doing raps. Now, I, I don't. I think you are a little bit of, of a rap guy, but Numchuck is is you know our, our our crack producing staff here, as you well know. It's just fantastic here. Numchuck says that he's found a playlist of Trevor Maddich's, uh a rap playlist. Is, is this true? Is this you? Uh, if it is, I haven't seen it. Let me just describe what rap before you get to that. What raps are in in TV parlance? It's well, W R A P S rap. We're just rapping yes. around the game. Yes, you know you yes. do. Yes. You do the but we're talking show, music. We're about time post game show to lead into the next one. Right. So it's not R A P S. But if there's a Trevor Maddich rap playlist, uh, I'd sure love to hear it because I didn't submit it to anybody. Okay, here's two hundred and thirty three songs of nothing but rap, like. All rap music. Oh, you know what? I have all of those condensed so you can hear them all in a very brief moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. Tell me. (laughs) Now, if you expand that out, you'll have 233 songs. That's that's exactly what it was. I just slowed it down and listened. That's what it was. Of my apparent rap playlist.
That's <laughs> I thought. Well, you did bust out Eminem one day, you know. Where, oh no, Eminem, yeah, Sugar Hill Gang. I mean, sort of the retro stuff. You know, was kind of, of where I paid some attention. You, you and me both, exactly. There it is. All right. Yeah. So I thought we just yeah throw that Numchuck. You're just you're amazing. That's all I gotta say. Let's leave it at that. Amazingly. Yeah. But, but but by the way, before NWA, when you're talking about. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and stuff like that. No, don't associate me with that. <laughs> no, of course not, exactly. But yeah, yeah, of course, Sugar Hill Gang, Run DMC. Oh yeah, we're all about that, Trevor. Hello, Cool J. There yeah. you go. I mean, there you go. I mean, we're talking about people that that were raw. I mean, yes. raw talent, raw message, offended a lot of people, connected with a lot of people. You know, I, I love artists that are artists. There you go. You know, Curtis and, Blow, Grandmaster Flash, The Furious Five. That's who I'm talking about. There. There you go. There you go, man. All right, Tennessee at Georgia this week. Tennessee's the number one team in the college playoff rankings, but they're an eight point underdog, my friend, at Georgia. What happened Saturday? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not ready to pick this one yet, but I will tell you this about the matchups, okay? Yep. Um, the Tennessee's offense is, you know, one of the two best in the country. I think number one in a lot of metrics. And, and that's legitimate, and that includes running the ball. That's important because against Alabama, they, they did a good job running the ball. Their feature backs were getting about four and a half yards a carry or so, which allowed them to stay even with the chains and make, Play action pass credible, so that's important with that offense. Now, how does that how does that compare to the or match up with the Georgia defense? Well, uh, Georgia's defense will be the best they have faced this year so far. Maybe the best they will face, better than Alabama's, for a couple of reasons. Georgia doesn't get to the passer very well. They're last in the SEC in sacks. Even so, they're one of the best in the SEC and the nation in yards per completion and large yards per attempt. And part of the reason for that is that their secondary is stellar. They've got probably three guys back there that will be in the NFL, maybe four among their starters eventually. And the, the reason they match up so well is that they don't fall prey to the way that other defenses do that allows Tennessee's speed receivers to get deep on them. We know that they can get vertical, the volunteers. The question is how. Right, and so I've got a, a a breakdown that we've been showing on Sports Center, and last night we showed it too, uh, that shows how. And basically, in a nutshell, what Tennessee does is uses their speed to take advantage of momentary lapses in technique and momentary hesitations in recognition. So they have their tempo, so they go fast. So the defense gets the call in; they've got to immediately know what to do. And then pre-snap, Tennessee will go into motion. And now you've got to decide, okay, well, where's that motion guy going to end up and how does that relate to my coverage assignment? And then right off the snap, Jalen Hyatt, their receiver that had five touchdowns against Alabama, goes flying off the ball towards the safety. I mean, raging off the ball, full speed. And if those cover guys back there, the safeties and corners that might drop, if they pause just a moment to decipher, okay, is this the guy I'm supposed to cover? Am I supposed to? And then, boom, they go. It's already too late because he's running full speed while they're flat-footed for just a beat, and that's all it takes. Georgia's secondary doesn't show that, that tendency to, to have those lapses like that. Now, in facing Tennessee, they will face a team that does this tempo at the highest level that has um, the speed – to burn them if they get deep, and you put that combination together, this will be the most difficult offense that the Georgia defense will have faced. 
Last year, I think Tennessee scored only 17 points in a loss to Georgia. Uh, but this Tennessee offense is much more efficient now, having been in this system for a while longer. Hendon Hooker is better this year than he was last year. So, But that matchup is, is an important one. How will the secondary match up with the speed trying to go vertical? Because if, if Tennessee can't get vertical, then it becomes a mud fight between the front seven and the offensive line and running back to the short passing game. And I think that Georgia would have the edge on that. Uh, and then the other side of the ball, you've got Georgia's offense, which is very balanced, very good. Stetson Bennett at quarterback is underrated uh, against the Tennessee defense. That's been good against the run, but it tends to give up a lot of passing yards. So we'll see how that matches up because the two tight ends of Georgia, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers, are uncoverable by pretty much anybody in college football. When one's on the field, it's a matchup advantage for Georgia. When two are on the field, it's a matchup nightmare for the defense. So when I put all that together, TC, I look at Georgia having the edge based on a secondary that's clearly better and match up impossibilities in their tight end room. I, I don't know that they'll run away with this thing, but right now I'm leaning Georgia to win and to cover. But but ask me again on Friday. Right, and, and again, Georgia's probably licking their chops. Saying, You're going to make Tennessee number one? We're playing this game at home, and you got us at number three? Oh, yeah, that's bulletin board material, and that stuff is real, as we know, in college football. One other thing, Georgia linebacker Nolan Smith, you know, he's out. And so That's big. I, I, I was going to ask you, I mean, we know that Tennessee's explosive and without Nolan Smith, I mean, this guy's one of the best uh, you know, uh, defensive players in the country. And uh, he's out with a torn pictorial muscle that, uh, that he got hurt last week in the win over Florida. Yeah, he, he's their best edge rusher. And again, they don't, they don't get a lot of sacks. They do bother the quarterback. But And in this game, I, I wouldn't expect them to try to get a lot of sacks. They have to slow down the pass rush to keep Hendon Hooker in the pocket. You don't want to give him a two-way go when he breaks out. And so, but, and they will replace Nolan Smith with guys that can run that are, are really talented players. But remember, Tennessee feasts on a momentary hesitation. And if one of those replacements has a momentary hesitation, that's where Tennessee breaks out. So that is a thing until it's not. Real quick, Trevor, wanted to touch with you. You know, the Michigan-Michigan State game last week where eight Michigan State players suspended for their actions in the fight, uh, taking their helmets off, bashing two Michigan players in the tunnel afterwards. Jim Harbaugh would uh, like to see criminal charges pressed. Uh, give me your takeaway when, when you saw this all unfold last week. Well, for those who, who saw the video, and you have to have seen the video, you will know what I'm about to say. Those Michigan State players that were involved in actually striking the Michigan players are cowards. They are straight-up cowards to gang up on a guy, swing their helmets at him. He's on the ground. They're stomping on him. That is not football, and that is not a fight. And the truth of it is, as criminal as that is, and it is criminal, and I hope that there are charges, criminal charges filed against those guys. All of that, on top of it, if those guys have any shred of what is football character, they should be ashamed of themselves for engaging in such a cowardly act. Now, I talk about college football players different than I talk about NFL football players because, you know, it's just it's a different thing. These are still kids. This is, you know, they're not getting paid like NFL players are, although there's NIL and all that. But I will come straight up and say that everybody who stomped the foot, threw a punch, or swung a helmet is a straight-up 
criminal, felonious coward. Well said, my friend. And uh, one of those guys that was suspended, former UNLV linebacker who transferred to Michigan State, Jacoby Winman. He's one of those guys. You know, I, I don't know him. Yeah. I don't know him. Yeah. But but I will say this, though, without personality. He's actually been the defensive player of the week three times in the Big Ten. Yeah. Crazy. But, you know, they're, they're, sometimes. Yeah. But well, I agree. we'll talk about this another Sorry. time. Yeah, yeah. There, just, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I'm with you. And, again, well, I wanted to spend more time with that, Don, you. But then again, I mean, we start talking guitars and in, 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 in run DMC and in, in, in groups like that and Curtis Blow. Are you kidding? That's going to take precedence, Trevor. Guitars and Cadillacs and hillbilly music. <laughs> Thank you, Dwight Yoakam. See, we can go any genre with T.C. Martin. I love it, brother. All right, watch for Trevor Maddich uh, the next few nights, and then, of course, on Sports Center. and then you can hear him on Saturday uh, with all of the stuff in studio there on ESPN Radio. My friend, appreciate you. And, of course, Friday with the best bets. Oh, yes, sizzling. He's still on fire. That's Earth Wind and you know, fire. Trevor Maddich, fire. Asbestos now. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? My suits have to be made of asbestos now, fireproof material. I love it. it. I'm just saying, TC. I got you, brother. All right, man. We'll talk to you on Friday. Appreciate you. There he is. Take care. Bye. All right. We come back. We talk basketball with a big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, Kevin Kruger, UNLV head coach, opening night on Monday. These are the Braggs. Boss it out, Curtis. And you can't explain why you claimed you can't.